I am. <laughs> I uh, I remember seeing this movie um, back in two thousand and six, and I remember dressing up as Peter for Halloween that year. This is probably one of the most important movies of my lifetime, to me. Um, but it's the music that changed my life. Today on this very special world of music, I'm gonna talk about the Chronicles of Narnia, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. The first movie that truly impacted my life. And why? First of all, it's knights. And it's everything that I ever dreamed of. A lion that's basically the face of the Lord himself in a battle between good and evil that truly impacted my life. But not only that, it was this music that truly, truly impacted the way I listen to music these days. Prepare yourself, because I'm about to take you all back down memory lane. Narnia changed my life. I was... It's 2005 when this movie came out, and I specifically remember this movie coming out, and it was one of those movies that I was like, oh my goodness, you know, what, what the heck is going on? And uh, I remember sitting, watching this movie, and I saw Peter and Susan and Lucy and Edmund being these people that I kind of wanted to be, you know. And I remember seeing this movie thinking, first of all, Oh my gosh, that line is beautiful. <laughs> One of the best designs Disney has ever done. And I I just remembered loving every single moment of it. And 2006 came and my life was turned upside down a second time. And I had heart surgery and I thought I was gonna lose my life. And sure enough, I died, I think three, four, five, I don't remember how many times. And it was something that truly changed the way my life has been running for the last 13, 14 years. And that heart surgery changed me forever. So after that surgery, after that catastrophe happened, I went back and watched this movie and realized how much courage those kids had. Since my freshman year, since I really started digging into music of high school and um, I started digging really hard my freshman year. I started listening to Trans-Siberian Orchestra, I started listening to um, 
uh, pop music. I've been uh, listening to Michael Jackson, Prince, all of them. Um, pop music, rising pop stars and stuff like that back in my freshman year. But then I started going back to orchestra music and movie music, video game music, which we'll have World of Music uh, podcast for those. But every time I listen to this score, it reminds me that the world can be a peaceful place. It truly can. It truly can. Harry Gregson Williams, the composer of The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, was the first composer that Andrew Ad uh, Adamson, who was the director of the movie, approached for the film. Because they uh, them both have worked together on Shrek and Shrek 2 back in 2001 and 2004. Because Adamson had to shoot the film in New Zealand for an extended period and Gregson Williams was working on scenes for films such as Kingdom of Heaven, he initially only prepared for the project by rereading the book and reading the film's script. It wasn't until he saw the first cut of the film that, as he put it, I could see the look of it, the look of the characters. I found that what I felt emotionally when compared to the book was quite different and it was then at the point that I could really get under the skin of the project. He said that although rereading the book helped him enter that headspace, the script also provided a good information, uh, a lot of good information, because it included several scenes that weren't in the book. So he was very excited about this score. And he... He honestly had to dig deep into what truly was, you know. So how did it end up? During the recording process, Greg Gregson Williams employed the 70-piece Hollywood Studio Symphony Orchestra along with a 140-member choir, which you could definitely hear that choir during the battle scene, let me tell you, um, from Abbey Road Studios, London, England, mostly members of the Bach Choir and numerous other solo mu musicians, such as electric violinist Hugh Marsh and violinist Elizabeth Scott at his Wavecrest Studios. He composed the original score and then spent late September through early November 2005 conducting the Hollywood Orchestra uh, and overseeing the recording of the English Choir. For color, he employed instruments used in the ancient folk music and the underscore critical dramatic moments, he added choral textures and occasionally a solo voice. The score includes intenses of electronic music. Through frequent comparisons were made between it and Howard Shore's score of the Lord of the Rings films, Gregson Williams said he was not influenced by the Shore by Shore during the scoring of the Chronicles of Narnia. He also said he composed over 100 minutes of the music of the original score, although less than 60 minutes made the final cut, which you can definitely tell throughout the movie. There is a bootleg copy of the complete recording circulating on the internet, although no official versions of the soundtrack has been released. The complete recordings comparison, all music composed, 
by Williams for the movie. The score features many uses of themes of Letamothus. I know how to pronounce that, sorry, I butchered it. Um, the most prominent of which are a motif for the Pevinson children, a motif of, for Narnia itself, and the heroic motif. The heroic motif, however, is not heard until the ninth track, which is to Aslan's camp. So, you know, as I'm sitting here reading, you know, and stuff like that, you know, I just, I just want to embrace the sounds. Especially on this one. That's that's fantastic, and then it just gets bigger and bigger. Especially right here. And this part, like every time I listen to it, I'm just like, oh, oh my goodness, that build up is crazy, and then it's the release that calms it down. There's something about that right there that makes me just absolutely, <laughs> it's, it, uh, it's amazing. And like, a lot of people listen to Narnia music, aka me, um, that do it for calming reasons. I mean, it's such a calming album, you know. And then of course, obviously, it's a heroic theme that we just talked about. That, that theme right there is like, wow, that's amazing, you know, so I, that theme that, and it is, it's very heroic, and like, I know like, when I, when I first saw it and that theme came on, you know, and stuff like that, um, that was like, wow, oh my gosh, you know, and um, he's, it, it, it does. It's like, oh my gosh, that's, that is a heroic theme, you know, and stuff like that. I know when, um, somewhere in here is, yeah, and this right here. I just got chilled up and down my spine. Oh my goodness. I, uh, it's, that's Aslan's theme. That is him. That is saying he's coming, you know, that he's here. He's blessed. Everybody, hold up. I need to listen to that again. Holy crap. 
Do you, do you hear the basses and the tinners? Do you hear them? Holy moly. I mean, it's like, it's so powerful. It's so majestic. That's the word. It's so majestic. Because it does. It does symbolize him in such a great manner. It shows a picture of him right here. But it does. It's like, he's here. He's the majestic one. And I remember me and my mom talk about it all the time. Is how one... If there's a Disney character that's so majestic, it's Aslan. He is he's just so fantastic. He's just absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, his theme is fantastic and all and everything like that. But then, you know, the movie goes on and on and on. Stuff like that. And... Then, you know, obviously we get to the biggest part in the movie. And how Disney pulled it off in New Zealand, I don't know. But we get to the battle. I don't talk about the stone table part. I can't talk about the stone table part because it's heartbreaking. It does symbolize the Bible in such, you know, a fantastic way. Um, but, you know, obviously that... the witch coming in. And then it begins. Right here. When Peter comes. I posted on my Facebook one time. Some of the best sound engineering came from the first movie. When the swords, when she crosses the white, the white witch, when she crosses her swords and it, you know, she unsheaths them pretty much across, you know, when he's leaning back and everything. That sound engineering on those sword clashes is fantastic. It's like one of the best sound engineering's in history, and it's been 15 years. And I haven't seen, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, Avengers, you know, and everything like that. That sound engineering across those swords is some of the best sound engineering ever. 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 I love the battle theme. Of course, I can't play it all, but, um, you know, it's, I, that, that song right there, I listen to it on a daily basis because it's like, it's such an impactful on my life. And so it's, and I do, I am very surprised that it's, um, like it's the response of how he finished the track basically a month before the movie came out. So that is, that's fantastic. 
So what about the songs? Obviously, the Can't Take It In by Mijin Heap. Um, what about them? So he co-wrote, uh, Gregson Williams co-wrote the song with Imogen Heap, Can't Take It In, which he recorded for the soundtrack. Originally, uh, Ditto submitted a song for the soundtrack, but it was considered unsatisf unsatisfactory. Wow. Heap was approached after a suggestion from the uh, soundtrack supervisor who managed a band with whom Heap had toured. The, so, uh, the song was written, recorded, produced, and mixed in a week. Wow, I didn't know that. Eve said she needed like a year more than I got and considered the experience of handling in the song an hour after completing it pretty scary. According to her, the creation of the song was difficult because The Chronicles of Narnia is a family film, so she had to be quite descriptive and not too electronic when making the song. The soundtrack includes the song Wonderkind, which Alanis Morissette wrote and recorded in three days. It was produced by Mac Elizondo. Uh, according to her, after watching a rough cut of the film, the song seemed to flow from, from me, and it, that it really touches me deeply. Also included is Winter Light, written and recorded by Tim Finn, the album song Where, sung by Elizabeth Scott does not appear in the film, but its melody is based on the Pevis and Children motif from the score, which I believe we just heard it just a little bit ago. And Evansonson or Evansons lead singer Amy Lee claimed she had been approached to write music for the film, um, both which were rejected. Uh, so how was the response? The album debuted on the U.S. Billboard 200 at number 43, selling more than 20,000 copies in the first week. In its second week of the chart, it dropped to number 5065 um, before moving to number 57 in, in its third week after the holiday box office success of the film. It descended to number 59 in week four. Wonderkind was issued as a radio single in some parts of Asia. The album received three stars out of possible five for film tracks, which in my opinion is false. <laughs> um, three stars of uh, possible five in all music, which I do believe is false. And three stars out of four in music, uh, movie music UK. The soundtrack received two Golden Globe nominations, Best Score and Best Original Song for Wonderkind. Um, uh, many parts of the battle... Uh, song were used for the soundtrack for the second film and was used the motif for the film series so he yeah, obviously um harrison harry gregson williams uh composed the music um also he composed the music for can't take it in um the performing orchestra was hollywood studio symphony the choir was 140 members of abbey road studios group from bach choir um, Elizabeth Scott and Hoya Marsh were electronic and solo violinist, and Dudek player Chris Belleth, which is the Narnia lullaby, which we totally skipped over. That's him, by the way. That's this guy that they were talking about. This seems also awesome. I love this.
that's uh that's uh when Aslan, you know, gets mad at uh Tom Tumnus and uh roars at him through the fireplace. Yeah. So biblical and that's the thing that's another thing that Narnia touches so dearly to me is that it is such a biblical it, it's a biblical art and it's um it is it's such a biblical thing you know and a lot of people are like why is it so biblical well first of all you know it talks about many of the the lord's aspects and how he died on uh, the stone table is reference to when jesus christ died on the cross um how he sacrifices and rose from you know the dead and came back to save his people you know and so it is such a thing and that's what c.s lewis um did in his in his fantasy series in his books that's why it's such an important part of history is c.s lewis c.s lewis like i said has written some of the best books in history and disney definitely did it justice um with the first narnia narnia is in my heart and will always be in my heart and it's it's absolutely fantastic it won the academy award for best makeup and various other rewards um, and it grossed more than 745 million dollars in the box office making it the third best most successful movie in 20 uh, in 2005. This is one of the most important soundtracks of my life. It truly is. I adore it. I think it's one of the best soundtracks ever to exist. And just the fact that it's out there makes me super happy. I love doing this world of series because I'm just looking up things um, music that are just out there and just not being talked about these days and I decided to bring this one back because this is such an important part of my life I watch I watch daily on Disney plus not daily but you know what I mean I watch it constantly on Disney plus and it just it does it just makes me happy thank you all for joining me on this world of music and we will see you and we'll talk later. Goodbye, guys.